Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. One of the things Our Lady remarked when she appeared in Champion, Wisconsin, to the visionary Adele Bryce, she said, I am the Queen of Heaven who prays for the conversion of sinners. Mary, as a mother, prays for the conversion of sinners, but also mothers of their own children, ordinary mothers in the world today, typically are praying for the conversion of their children who have abandoned the faith, who might be living a life of sin. And so they ask the prayers of Our Lady, and they turn to the saints for intercession. Today, I'm speaking with the authors of a new book called What Would Monica Do?, which is available from Ascension Press, and Monica being that of St. Monica, the mother of St. Augustine. The authors of this book include Patty McGuire Armstrong, who hosts the TV talk show Ladies of Another View, and she also has other books, writes for National Catholic Register, and I believe has a book called Holy Hacks, which I've also taken a look at before, and then also co-authored with Roxanne Beauclair Solnin, uh, who is an award-winning children's author and freelance writer covering religion for her city's daily newspaper and writes a pro-life column for her diocese and serves as a Catholic radio host and speaker and again, contributes to the National Catholic Register. Very grateful that you reached out, made me aware of this book. I didn't know it was out there uh, for our consumption in that sense. So thank you, Patty and Roxanne, for joining me today. Thank you. you bet. Well, yeah, it just came out on the Feast of St. Monica appropriately, so it's pretty new. But of course, Patty and I have been working on it for probably years, really, because it started with a conversation between two mothers and are lamenting over some of our kids who have temporarily at least walked away from the faith. And it was something that we bonded over and decided we knew that other people were in the situation and were perhaps carrying this grief deep within their hearts. And we wanted to let them know that they're not alone. Yeah. So I guess it comes, the inspiration comes then from the reality of uh, your own family life, your own children. Uh, are there other inspirations? So, and then maybe just what's the inspiration to co-author a book together? Um, Roxanne and I were in a Mother's Day article um, before we we saw that. Oh my gosh, there's two people from North Dakota. So Roxanne reached out and thought, well, maybe we should meet each other. I'm in Bismarck. She's in North Dakota or uh, Fargo, and so that began our friendship. It's fun being Catholic mom writers. Lot we have a lot in common, and as the years wore on, we realized we also had something else in common that some of our kids have left the faith. We have 15 kids between us, um, some are still in the faith, just like with Saint Monica. A lot of people know that she prayed for 17 years for Saint Augustine, but she also had two other kids who did never leave the faith. But that one she didn't want to let get away, and she cried many tears and prayed relentlessly to the point where he did convert after 17 years and he became one of the greatest theologians in all of christendom because it was in the fifth century that this happened well it will really monica lived in the fourth century and um she died then and saint monica went on or uh, saint augustine went on wrote many books that are still in bookstores today like confessions and so that conversion reached through many many centuries yeah, the book, The Confessions of St. Augustine, really that's where we learn a lot about St. Monica. We even learn about her death. You mentioned she dies uh, bef- 
and then Augustine continues living his life. But very profound moment in the Confessions is when she's about to die, Monica asks Augustine to remember her at the altar. And so right there, just the early presence of praying for the dead uh, when it comes to Monica and her death that Augustine prayed for her and offered Mass just as we offer Masses uh, for the dead still today. Yeah, yeah, that was a profound part of Confessions and also really all of Confessions, which I will admit I have not read in whole, but we studied quite a bit of it for this book. And it really is, in some ways, if there was a dedication, it would be probably a tribute to his mother, Monica. And so, yeah, we don't have any actual writings of hers, but we know of her through her son, which is so beautiful. And it kind of harkens back to Our Lady and Jesus. Like, they are so connected in, in so much of what we know about our Blessed Mother also is through Jesus's life, right? Definitely. Now, as you wrote as co-authors, now this is an interesting concept uh, for me, like two people writing a book. Do you take one chapter, like you wrote a chapter and then the other person wrote a chapter? Do you collaborate within the chapter? Like, what does it look like to be co-authors? Because I know, for example, uh, in Hollywood, there are different television shows and they have writers and they go into a writing room and you know, everybody brings what they have, and then they kind of piecemeal it together to make uh, an episode of a show. So what's it like as an author doing that for a book? Uh, Father, I would say all of those things. And I have co-authored, I did Big Hearted with Teresa Thomas, where we just took sections and stories. With Roxanne, one of us would take the lead. We had brainstormed, we had quite a few brainstorming sessions with Matt Pinto, who was the publisher of Ascension at that time. And, um, and one of the other editors. So we didn't want to leave any stone unturned. So we knew we, we had our blueprint, so to speak. And then some of us, it was natural that one of us would take certain topics. Maybe we had done a lot of interviews because this book is full of interviews and stories and scripture and, and the life of St. Monica is weaved through it. So some of us, we, we would take the lead on some of the chapters. We co-wrote basically most of the chapters, because after one person began, the other person might make an equal contribution, or maybe one person did most of that chapter. So it was a little bit of juggling back and forth, um, ebb and flow as we worked our way through the book. You mentioned then that there are interviews. So you found other mothers who were in a similar situation as St. Monica? I want to go back a little bit too and add to what Patty just said. I think we realized, even though we both have worked very independently for a long time and also with other people, but for this book in particular, um, thinking about relationships, our relationships with our children, it almost had to be a collaborative effort. We both agreed. I don't think I could have done it without Patty. She doesn't think she could have done it, I think, without me. Um, It came out of a discussion, out of a friendship, out of a walking together and bringing St. Monica into our friendship, it came out of relationship. And so to just have one person doing it, I don't think it would have done it justice because it was really out of our conversations as mothers sharing from our heart. And that can, that conversation continued. It started years before we ever started on this project and it continued as we went through the project. We were always talking and analyzing and sharing from our hearts and praying for each other and praying for our future readers. So it was that, that's kind of how that went. It really truly was an equal thing. It wasn't like one person writing and one kind of, you know, just being on the cover or whatever. Sometimes you see that. And I think God ordained it that way. We prayed a lot before we ever uh, set to work on this and our hearts were really set 
on bringing other people into our circle of friendship. Well, that's great. And uh, I guess for you then, uh, as mothers of children, and you mentioned that you have some children in this situation, like the Augustine role, how do you love that child, even though you might not agree with things that they're doing in their life? And is it just that they're not going to church on Sunday, or is there even something greater than that that kind of plays into your own life and the, the kind of the heart struggle that you might have over it all? All of those things. We recognized that there was going to be a, a, a wide spectrum of where kids are. And, and we have a Facebook page, as a matter of fact, for Catholic parents, what would Monica do? And we are seeing that, that there's a lot of hurting and lonely people. There's people that are just freshly uh, experiencing a child who's left the faith, some who have multiple kids, some that are seeking same-sex unions. You know, it's it's every degree. Um, because once they, and any anything is possible, once they move off the mark of the truth, you know, as long as they follow on that path, they can get further and further away. And the culture is a very strong pull these days, as you know. And so if they if they let those gale force winds of the culture lead them along, where we end up is going to be in two very different places. So getting back to your question, there might be disagreements. There could be fracturing in the family. And we cover that. We have chapters on, on anger, on forgiveness. Maybe we need to forgive. Maybe, you know, they need to forgive. Maybe we need to forgive ourselves. That is what the sacrament of confession is. We have a chapter called worry is not a prayer because I think we need to look at where we are at in the story and is in this journey so that we aren't just saying, well, I did everything I could. Um, what, but at the same time, we don't want to say, well, if I had only done this because we have priests in our diocese whose parents didn't even go to mass, who weren't even raising them Catholic and they're priests now. So we have to be careful. And it's what Roxanne and I have learned on our journey is it has humbled us to realize we can do everything. We should do everything God is calling us to do, but don't think that we're in control, that our children have free will. And so part of it is forgiveness, but loving them. How can we love them on this journey without necessarily, because necessarily, we have a chapter on this, that we don't cave ourselves, that we don't fall into the culture and like, well, that didn't work, you know? So um, and then become more liberal and start to reject some of the teachings of the church. So it's about staying the course and loving our children, regardless of where they're going and what they're doing, but not caving in and endorsing necessarily the things they're doing. Now, this is a controversial question, and I have mixed opinions on it personally. And, you know, this is the question of, you know, your son marries a woman they get married outside. Of course, he's a baptized Catholic. Canonical form of marriage says that he should get married before a priest or a deacon and two witnesses, and what we would normally have a, a wedding in the church. So uh, they get married outside. It's your son. Do you go to that wedding or do you take a stand and say, I, this isn't a Catholic wedding and I don't want to support this, and so I'm not going to go? That was a question that we knew would come up, and we kind of researched that thoroughly, talked to many priests. Patty can share what she um, discovered in her research as well. Um, from what we can tell, that there is no canon law saying that you cannot uh, attend an invalid wedding. We 
would never advise anyone one way or the other. It is something that is left to prudential judgment. The church gives us that in its wisdom because each situation is going to be different and, and all the details of each child's heart, each family's situation are going to be different. And so in some cases it could fracture and harm the relationship beyond what I think God would want. At the same time, we want to be faithful to the church. And those are difficult situations. And that is a heavy cross for parents to carry. And it's not an easy solution, but definitely we would advise people to talk to spiritual directors, uh, you know, wise people that God has put in their life and to discern what to do in that situation, because there is no black and white. There really isn't. The church doesn't give us that. Again, we did lots of research on it. And Patty, you can probably add to, to what I'm saying here. We did extensive research on this because we know how controversial it is. And we know how difficult because it's your son or daughter that the decision that you make is huge. Um, so I did an article for the National Catholic Register six or seven years ago on this. And boy, was it controversial then. Lots of comments. But I wanted to do even a deeper dive. I called Monsignor Asif, who's an exorcist, who's the founder of the Pope Leo the 13th. Institute, which trains exorcists. I wanted to know if you let your children know that you want them to get married in the church. This is what you want for them. Can you still attend the wedding? I talked to Father Pacwa. I talked to Father Angel, who was um, an instructor at St. John Vianney at the time school. We talked to uh, <laughs> canon lawyers. I mean, we covered it and we kept getting the same answer that you need to take this very, very seriously. You can't just go and like, oh yeah, everything's fine. Doesn't matter. It does matter. However, we want to um, lead them closer into the church. We want to keep those relationships strong. It doesn't mean that um, somebody who was practicing Catholic and says, I want an outdoor wedding. The priest says I can't have it, so I'm not going to get married in the church. I mean, that might be something you say, that's not okay. If they're marrying somebody who's divorced and hasn't had an annulment, we're not giving any blanket statements. We're saying that canon law doesn't say you can't go every priest nine of them that we talked to said it's a prudential judgment there's a very strong opinion of people that say nope absolutely you can never go under any circumstances and so that's why roxanne and i are saying we're not going to tell people what they can do but you definitely need to look into this because this may be the biggest thing you ever decide to do in the life and the relationship with you and your adult children um so so that's what we found in our research as a priest, I always tell people when they ask me this question, I say, you can take a survey of 10 different priests and you're going to get six priests that tell you you should go, four priests that tell you absolutely not, you should not go, you know, like the, the survey would be so mixed, I think. And, and I like that you use that word prudential judgment that, and, and that's one of the things I realized is that it's so, an, like it can be the cause of an animus relationship between you and your child. And then your child isn't going to embrace the truth of the faith. If anything, it's going to push them further and further away from the church. And, and so I think that I, you know, my, my counsel usually is, I think you have to go and you have to support your child because you don't want to wreck the relationship you have. Now, as a pastor, one of the things I've begun seeing a lot of is that couples who want to get married outside or have their venue wedding, they come to me before or after, and we just have a simple 
convalidation, where they exchange their vows before a priest and two witnesses, and and uh, that kind of makes all parties happy. Parents want them to get married in the church, and then it makes them happy. Well, we can celebrate with our friends at this rose garden or wherever they're they're getting married. So, um, yeah, well, I'm very happy you addressed that question. That's always a very interesting question because when you have a child who's gone astray, that doesn't understand faith, then it can impact you, as you said, about your own beliefs and like, how can I stand firm, but yet still be loving at the same time? Now, um, I'm not sure about this, but did Monica, her husband, was he faithful or did she also pray for her husband and for his conversion as well? He was a pagan, and it's interesting because we are entering a post-Christian, going into pagan world in a way. So it's kind of a reverse situation. So we realized, again, we have so much in common with Monica. Uh, One of the chapters we address uh, is called Unequally Yoked. Uh, There's people that are having to do this alone or just with a partner who maybe isn't Catholic. Or, you know, there's so many situations right now in our culture, and they all contribute to our children's faith lives, right? And so, um, but Monica, again, is an inspiration. She stayed the course. She continued to be faithful. She was kind to people and ended up affecting the conversion of her, both her husband, Patricius, and and her mother-in-law towards the end. They both came into the church. Um, So, and also another thing about Monica is at one point she kicked her son, Augustine, out of the house, said he cannot come in. And at that point, he had uh, uh, an illegitimate child and and a, a, a girlfriend that uh, mothered that child. Um, and so she was tempted to cast him out because she was frustrated and she had other kids that, you know, she needed to, to model this good Christian life for. But ultimately, after praying to God, she had a change of heart. And I think that is kind of what we're coming back to in terms of the mercy of God has to play into this also, and also trusting God with our children. Um, I think to cast them away, we have to be so careful. God is working invisibly in their souls, and we have to, it's a surrender. We talk a lot about surrender. And ultimately, even the question you asked just a little bit ago is about trusting God. Does he know our hearts? Does he know the suffering we've gone through? Does he know the discernment we've gone through? then we can walk forward in confidence that he knows us, he knows our children, and I don't think he wants us to cast them off. I want to add to that a, a, just a little bit because it kind of fits in with the weddings and, and St. Monica, that that is why she's so relevant today because when we hear about her son went off to college, he got involved in a new age religion, comes back with a girlfriend and an out-of-wedlock child, you know, like, hello, <laughs> does this sound familiar? Is this, we look around and we share the stories of so many people because we wanted to include all those experiences from um, people, uh, parents dealing with same-sex attraction in their kids for um, maybe their single mothers and fathers, because we do have men in the book too. So it's not just for women, but um, it's for everybody. So we really wanted to cover everything under the sun so that everybody, because basically we're, we're dealing with the same thing of surrendering our children to God and praying for them regardless of our circumstances. And some people have more ideal circumstances. Some are, my goodness, I mean, I shared a story with somebody. Her husband decides he's living as a woman now. So um, her kids are all over the place because he was practicing his Catholic faith. But like, really, there's a little bit of a disconnect here. 
So um, we and we had um, we include the story of Saint Bartar Bartarlo Longo, who was a Satanist, came from a Catholic family, became a Satanist, and then went on to become a saint. Just such a total conversion. Uh, Father Don Calloway, who was definitely a wild child, and we include. Um, I I did his story for the Amazing Grace book series, and I in, interviewed his mother. I think I'm the only one that ever got an interview with his mother. So we included their two stories together. So we see it from where he he was at the time, like in a very dark place, so far away, and the thoughts and prayers of his mother. So uh, we really do cover all of that, and it's so relevant today, just as it was during the time of Saint Monica. How did you come to collect all of the stories that you include in the book? Did you put out a call on social media or you looked for people? How, how did you happen upon all of them? Well, interestingly, a lot of these stories are stories that are tucked in the recesses of mothers' hearts. And Patty and I knew some of these mothers through the years, and we'd shared heart-to-heart stories with them. And so we, um, I ended up interviewing, we just knew some of these stories already, but they're very quiet. They're not public. It wasn't on social media. Usually Um, it was usually friends that we knew about. um, And so we gathered up their stories, interviewed them again. And so it becomes, they all become little Monica's with us kind of journeying with us and helping people see that the relevance of today and just today's stories and how they relate and what we can do. Um, even though St. Monica is on the cover, we have a beautiful cover artist, Jill Metz, who, who gave us a splendid cover that we love so much. Um, it isn't a biography. So um, it is a, a book that we check in with her throughout the book and we tap into her. A lot of people know about St. Monica, just basically we wanted to mine her a little bit more, but her biographies have already been written. So really it was just like, we kind of checked in with her throughout the book and brought her wisdom and, and went a little deeper into her story with her son. And so um, it was it was going a little bit in depth with her, but also bringing in just her inspiration and the inspiration of many others, modern day people, as well as age old saints who have given us wisdom. A two part question. Do we know how Monica prayed for Augustine? We know she prayed. So however she did that, but maybe, you know, specific ways she did that. And then maybe secondly, how can people how can mothers pray for their children today? We do know that she spent a lot of time in church in adoration because when St. Augustine sneaked away from her, when he went to um, Italy, to Rome, and then um, he tricked her following him there. So she said, oh, you can, here's this church, you can go to pray, the ship has been delayed. So she was off praying and he sneaked away and she went and followed him hmm. and it eventually caught up with him and i'm i'm uh, i'm forgetting the city he ended up in my um Roxanne, maybe you can remember but um so we know that she went to god and prayed and she also asked people to pray for her son so she went to saint ambrose she went to a bishop hoping they could also talk him into the faith she wasn't able to do that and this was a, a reminder to parents that sometimes when that wall goes up we need to back away that we think we want to talk to them and convince them because we have the truth. So they should listen to it, but they're not listening. And so the more we talk, the more sometimes they run away from us. So that's when we turn to prayer. And that's what St. Monica did. And St. Ambrose told her that she needed to talk less to her son about God and to talk more to God about her son. And that is the basic theme of our, of our, of our book, 
we touch on everything we could possibly think of different situations but ultimately it's about us going deeper in our faith and that is the best way we can and i would add children. to that too i would say her prayers came through her tears also i'm a crier and i sometimes have recognized in my life that my prayers my tears are a prayer um and that sometimes that's all i have and she's known for her tears um, but at some point, she was told by a bishop, the child of so many tears shall never perish. And at some point, there, it is a grief, but it needs to, at some point, you give it to God. And those tears dry up a little bit. And our hope is that in time, the tears will turn into joy and laughter and gratitude, like they did for St. Monica. She ended her life being satisfied. She was in her 50s when she died. That's how old I am in my 50s now. And she died satisfied that uh, she had accomplished everything that God had asked her to do, which was to have her kids be in the faith. And so even though she was far from her homeland, she was at peace and died. Um, I, I want to add one thing to that because we have a chapter that it's not all bad and it, it fits in with prayer and the suffering and tears that we can offer that back as a form of prayer that that maybe there's grief and suffering associated with our kids leaving the faith, but even that we can use as a prayer by uniting our suffering with that of the suffering of Christ and giving it to him and surrendering it to him. So none of it is wasted. You know, this isn't wasted time. It's, it's productive. And regardless of how they feel about us praying, they can't stop us praying for them and they can't stop us offering up whatever pain and suffering we have back to God to, to use towards bringing them back and closer to him. What you said about the tears, that's actually referenced in the opening prayer, the collect for the day of St. Monica, that her tears uh, brought about his conversion, that God saw those tears. Also, the book of Psalms makes reference to tears as uh, a prayer as well. So it's very biblical even and then liturgical for us uh, to talk about those tears of St. Monica and the tears of all people for that matter. So you've mentioned a lot of different chapters you have in the book. You have anger, you have forgiveness. It's not all bad. There's other chapters. But it's my understanding you also dedicate one to the Blessed Mother, which, of course, I'm very happy about. So what can we learn from Mary in all of this situation? I love that chapter. It comes towards the end of the book when we're kind of doing a little bit of an exhale, giving perspective and giving a lot of hope. And I'll just, I'll just read like the opening. It's called Waiting and Praying with Mary. Mary suffered. She suffered profoundly. She did not run away from the cross, but was with her son every step of the way. As Our Lady of Sorrows, she persevered to the end and she endured, joining her sufferings with those of her son. Remaining faithful to the end, Mary witnessed the greatest event in history. All generations call her blessed. As our mother, she loves and intercedes for us, desiring that we claim our place in heaven. She wants that also for our children. It is one of my favorite chapters. I end up bringing um, bringing some of the the insight that I got during a uh, Lexio Divina prayer exercise that um, I underwent last summer as we were writing this book with author uh, Elizabeth Kelly, and she had um, done this this little class, and I I absorbed some of the the sharings that she did. But um, basically, you know, Mary was so good at patience and waiting and, and surrender and, um, you know, waiting on God to, to kind of lead her uh, every step of the way. And so that is, that is one thing that we can take cues from 
that uh, we live in a fast paced world. We want answers right away. I think Patty and I would love our children to all convert today and we know they're going to heaven, but it might not happen until after our own deaths. We don't know. And we have to, we have to look at the eternal perspective and Mary can give us that, you know, she stood at the cross. She held her, her, her dying son in her arms and, um, you know, suffered, but she also saw him rise. And so there's so much that we can take from Mary. And I'm sure that Monica was very close to our blessed mother as well. So I do want to add to that. Um, one, one section in that chapter we have is that Mary can take on our stress that we think of, you know, yes, she was um, grief stricken at, at the foot of the cross and along the way, but her whole life with Jesus had a lot of stress in it. Um, you know, from Lord, pierce your heart. But I was writing an article for the Register on the Blessed Mother, and it hit me during adoration. The very first miracle was all about stress. <laughs> that, and she took on somebody else's stress, as stressful as her life is, you know, losing Jesus in the temple, listening and realizing that people were plotting against her son. Um, but when she was at the wedding at Cana and they ran out of wine, that wasn't a life or death situation. It was a very stressful situation and she took that on and it shows the power of going through our blessed mother in both big and small things and so of course we have stress if our kids have left the faith and she will take that on for us and we end the chapter with a prayer written by saint augustine to the blessed mother so that's how we end that chapter in such a beautiful way well that's right so mary I think, you know, even going back to the open, she wants us to pray for conversion. She desires the conversion of all people, just as every mother wants their child to practice the faith. And so it's very fitting, very appropriate uh, to incorporate Our Lady into your book. Now, the title of the book is, What Would Monica Do? And so maybe that's the last question we should ask, is what would Monica do? Like, if you had to say one thing that she would do about a situation with a child, what is it? She would never give up. She would always look to her son. She would always have hope. I know that's more than maybe one line there, but um, I think, again, looking at the eternal perspective, she always had her sights set on heaven and her son. And so if we can do that, it's a daily surrender. It's not something that we can just, uh, we write this book, you know, we got it figured out now, right? I mean, Patty and I need this book. I, I'm reading it right now myself to go back and refresh my mind because Every morning we get up and we have to do that same surrender over and over again. And Mary teaches us just to calmly and in patience persevere like St. Monica did. And so I just want to encourage people that they're not alone and to never give up. And I think that's that would be the message as well. Um, and I my my message would be not what would she do, what did she do? And that's why we look into this. What did she do? She surrendered and she went deeper in her own faith. And that's the ultimate message. We we walk with them in understanding with everybody. We walk together um, and we know where we need to go to the foot of the cross with Mary, asking St. Monica and St. Augustine to pray for us. But we go deeper into the into our faith and we surrender our children to God. And that is what people will learn when they find your book, What Would Monica Do? Co-authored by Patty McGuire-Armstrong and Roxanne Beauclair-Solonen. And this book is available from Ascension Press. And that was something I learned. Uh, I guess I wasn't really familiar with the fact that Ascension Press is publishing books. 
I, I know they did studies for parishes, but this was kind of a, an enlightening moment for me to realize that Ascension is the publisher of this book, and uh, you can get it directly from Ascension or wherever you get your Catholic books. You might be or you probably know a mother who is struggling with their children and their lack of practice of the faith, and this would make a perfect gift for them. How can people follow both of you on social media? I'm at Peace Garden Mama um, on Twitter, and that's how I found you. And we also both write for the National Catholic Register and have our own websites as well. Um, so that, that's where you can start. I, I have a little, little humble blog. I mean, it is one of these days I'll uh, make it turn it into something bigger, but it's Patty mcguirearmstrong.com and I write for the register and a number of other publications but I would really encourage people to join us if you're in that situation on our Facebook group um, just put Catholic parents what would Monica do and you'll um, be able to to and you know right you have to answer a couple questions and then we'll let you on into the group so yeah but thank you father for having us on today what a pleasure it's been yeah it's great to break open the book to take away some concepts from it and then to of course encourage people to give it a full read so thanks so much for joining me today on how they love mary thank you god bless you father thanks god bless hey thanks so much for listening to today's show and for all the many ways that you support the podcast if you want to help out the podcast be sure to check out sock religious i love their socks i love their shirts and so go over to Sock Religious, use the link in the show notes, and buy some holy socks or some holy shirts that you can wear to evangelize your family and your friends. If you also want to support the podcast, I invite you to please share the podcast with your friends or on your social media platforms. Rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, please follow me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My handle is at FR Edward Looney. You'll see all of the posts, all of the content that I put out each week by following me there. Thanks so much again for listening today. Know that I am entrusting you to the heart of Mary, asking her to pray for you this day and every day. And if you don't mind, say a prayer for me too. Let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.